Hi, this is Kurt Gouveia, number 54, Washington Redskins. You're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King, on Sports 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Hi, it's the Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. Hear ye, hear ye. It's time for the Sports King Show, live on Sports 106.1. The show with scores, interviews, the hottest topics, and the biggest sports stories of the day. It's the show where you'll hear from the players that make the plays, as well as the key coaches and personnel who make it happen. All of this and live phone calls from you, the Sports King Nation. Now, direct from his castle, located in an undisclosed location in the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, let's welcome to the throne, His Highness, Jamie King, the Sports King. On Sports 106.1. And good morning, everyone. Welcome, Sports King Nation. Here it is, the 17th of the month. And we're excited. Day 37, we're not so excited about because it's 37 days without sports that we know and love. But guess what? Yesterday, we heard from the administration there is going to be a reopening of the country it's going to happen slowly, but it's going to happen. And I'm excited about that. That's something to be excited about. Uh, I don't know how it directly it's going to happen to affect us here in Virginia right away. It's going to be a slow rollout uh, throughout the country in terms of, you know, the Idaho's and the uh, Wyoming's and the Montana's and places that are not as affected, but slowly but surely it's going to sweep across the nation and hopefully we'll be back uh, to some semblance of normalcy as soon as possible. Uh, Ken Paradiso from North Carolina asked this morning on Facebook Live, which league did I think would start up first? And I said that I think it'll be Major League Baseball. I expect Major League Baseball by no later than the 15th of May. I think teams will start migrating back. Uh, they'll be in Arizona um, collectively, and they'll start playing double headers and triple headers to get back. And there will be no fans, but uh, we think baseball, at least I do, baseball will be the number one sport that will return. Want to let you know that on today's show, we'll have about 1030 this morning, Danny Copeland, number 26, formerly of the Washington Redskins, Super Bowl champion, defensive back, had a great career with the Redskins, a guy that filled in and did some great things, was a very sure tackler, played special teams, and did some outstanding things for Joe Gibbs and the Redskins during their Super Bowl run. We'll talk to him, catch up with him in Georgia. That'll be this morning, about 1030. Uh, this was a historic day, sports fans. Of course, Mike, as Harry, uh, um, as uh, the Philadelphia uh, announcer Harry Callis always said, Michael Jack Schmidt, of course, uh, one of the great ones of all time. 
for the Phillies hit four home runs on this very day versus the Chicago Cubs. Thank you, Ben Maitland, for that. Also, today was the day that Pete Rose uh, set the all-time record in terms of hits against Eric Schau of the Padres. This happened at Cincinnati's Riverfront Stadium. And what a historic night. Uh, I went back and watched that to see the pomp and circumstance of that night, to see his whole team come out of the dugout, raise him up. Marge shot, of course, coming down on the field and giving him a hug. And it was great to see Pete Rose and many people on Facebook Live uh, that are watching now as well as Sports 1061. Pete Rose, we keep going round and round with this. I have gone on record. I will continue to go on record that Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There should be no baseball Hall of Fame without Pete Rose. Yes, Pete Rose did something against the game. Yes, he was wrong in doing it. Yes, he admitted it finally. Yes, Pete Rose is rough around the edges. Pete Rose is not perfect. You know, I'm not sitting here defending Pete Rose and saying everything he's done in his career has been the right thing. But I will say this. If you ever took your son or daughter to a baseball game, and anybody in my age bracket that grew up watching this guy. When you watch Pete Rose, you walked away saying that guy has given every ounce of himself in every inning, in every game he ever played. He never gave anything but his best any time. And, of course, he was called Charlie Hustle. That was his nickname because he was hustling even in practice. He just he had a motor that would not quit. And when you have a player that you put on the tape and you watch and you say, son or daughter, watch that guy. If you want to play and you want to give 100%, 100% of the time, you play like that guy, 14. You play like Pete Rose. And if you could do that and give that much of yourself, then you could walk off the field a winner every time. And as a former coach, if I had a Pete Rose-type effort from players, I would never complain one second. Because Pete Rose had no off switch. Pete Rose never stopped. He never gave anybody anything less than his best. So when I look at him as a manager and the decisions he made, boneheaded, dumb, not bright. And Pete Rose didn't make the best decisions. Let's face it. And I'm not going to make apologies for what he did as a manager. He wagered on baseball. It was wrong. It's been 30 years. It's been a long time. The guy has... Uh, not made the best decisions once he left baseball. But when you look at the Houston Asterisks, which I continue to call them that because of what they did, and they got a slap on the wrist, in my opinion, and their manager and their GM will be allowed back in baseball maybe next year. They cheated the game. And it could have cost my team, the Washington Nationals, a world title if some of their antics would have worked at home. So I'm looking at this and say, wait a minute, Rob Manford, you're the the head of baseball. You're the commissioner. You're a guy that's looking at these guys in a different light. You're saying, okay, they cheated baseball, banging on drums and cheating and potentially having electronic signaling underneath their jerseys. That's a slap on the wrist deal. I didn't see Jose Altuve, who may have had a potential uh, electronic device under his jersey, when he hit a home run off of Aroldis Chapman, he came to home plate. He covered himself up. He didn't want anybody grabbing his jersey because his wife said she didn't want his jersey to be ripped off. Yeah, right. Anyway, so he doesn't get scrutinized. He doesn't get any of the 
uh, other than the folks banging drums now and yelling at him, calling him a cheater. That's the most he's dealing with. He's not suspended. But Pete Rose bet on baseball, eventually admitted he bet on baseball, but he can't be allowed back in. So you can cheat baseball and cheat the fans and win ball games and pennants and potentially World Series by cheating baseball. That is something you don't even want to suspend a player for. But betting on baseball, oh man, you gotta you gotta keep them out forever. That's where I disagree vehemently. That's where I see this as going off the rails. You can't have it both ways. If it's good for one, it's good for the other. Good for the goose, good for the gander. Pete Rose made the mistakes. Pete Rose has paid for those mistakes. And on the anniversary today of his record-breaking hit to eclipse Ty Cobb as the all-time hits king. I think all of us should take time to say, really? Is what happened with the Astros and cheating the game of baseball at the core one thing? Betting on baseball, which is bad, and I'm not here to say it was good or smart or the right thing to do. It was wrong. But do both equal One should be so top-heavy to cheat the game and the fans that Houston did is going to be okay. Those players get to continue. But the guy that bet on baseball as a manager can't be allowed in the Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm okay with the five years, 10 years, 15, 20. But to go this long with Pete Rose and keep him out, and he's getting older, and you don't want it to be a situation where if he passes away to look back and say, oh, yeah, his family uh, finally convinced baseball they're going to put him in now. Why don't you allow the fans of Cincinnati and fans around the world that love Pete Rose that grew up watching him the opportunity to see him in the Hall of Fame where he deservedly should be? That's my issue with Major League Baseball. That's why I am so upset with the hierarchy of baseball because it's two set of rules, and that's the thing that gets me why Pete Rose is held to a different standard. Yes, he was a manager. Yes, he made the mistakes. Yes, he didn't admit it right away, but then he eventually did. So looking at that, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Give us a call, 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. Does Pete Rose deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? I think on this date today, uh, it definitely resonates to me the day it happened or the night it happened at Cincinnati's Riverfront Stadium. When he hit that ball and rounded first, and you looked at him in his body of work. Folks, if you have time today, Google Pete Rose. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. You just, you'll shake your head. It's just awe-inspiring what the man did with the baseball bat in his hand. So from a playing standpoint, there is no doubt about it. And I hope, for Pete Rose's sake, that he will be given his rightful place in Cooperstown. Um, and this is something I've felt strongly about for so many years. I just cannot see the justice in this in any way, and I just think it's an unfair playing field in baseball that needs to be adjusted, and somebody uh, with some sense has got to step in and talk to the commissioner and say, you know what, we need to change this. This is wrong. So that's one thing today. Of course, we mentioned Mike Schmidt hitting four home runs against the Cubs. That's another. Um, some other breaking news across uh, the world of sports on day 37 without sports. It was noted that Von Miller has tested positive. The former Super Bowl MVP of the Denver Broncos has tested positive for COVID-19. So that is something that uh, 
very sorry to hear that, but evidently um, Von Miller said, quote, I was shocked, end quote, uh, when he found out uh, he has been taking co- uh, taking it seriously since day one about the COVID-19 uh, virus. He said when a strange cough prompted the star pass rusher to get tested this week, he didn't know what to expect. Two days later, the doctor said, Von Miller, you have the COVID-19 uh, virus. You have tested positive for it. He said he was shocked. And uh, this happened uh, on the Today Show. He explained his strict adherence to social distancing. He said that uh, he's been in Denver for about four weeks. He's probably left the house about four times. So uh, basically, with those four times, he said he never got out of his vehicle. So you're wondering to yourself, this is Denver, Colorado. And I know when I've had to go out, uh, I reluctantly get out of the car if I have to go into a store or to pick up supplies. But uh, remember, folks, you have to practice social distancing. You have to wear a face mask if possible. Make sure you keep the distance between each other. Make sure that, uh, you know, I've got uh, some hand sanitizer and something I continually use. And because you're wondering about uh, the folks around you, you just have to be careful and Vaughn Miller said he did everything that he should have done, but it didn't work for him. So he was very shocked that it happened. So that's some uh, breaking news in terms of Vaughn Miller. So uh, very unfortunate there. We wish him the very best. Vaughn Miller is a great guy, a great team guy. And this happened, and it was a very uh, shocking situation that broke uh, overnight. Also want to let you know a very sad passing, a guy that I always admired in terms of his uh, acting ability. Brian Dennehy, who portrayed Indiana basketball coach Bob Knight, he uh, did a great job in that one, but uh, he passed away Wednesday at age 81. He was uh, cast as a fictional Bob Knight in the 2002 ESPN made-for-TV movie, quote, A Season on the Brink, and quote, uh, the John Feinstein book. Uh, he called the experience portraying Knight certainly the weirdest situation I've ever been in. He uh, played Bobby Knight. He did a great job. And he said there was no way uh, to imitate uh, Bobby Knight. He basically was uh, a genius. He said he did his very best. But Brian Dennehy, a guy that, you know, he's got a lot of uh, tremendous acting uh, accomplishments behind him, including, of course, uh, Dallas. He was in Dallas. He was also, um, of course, big Tom Callahan in Tommy Boy. That was one that uh, we definitely uh, remember him uh, portraying Tom Callahan. He did a great job in that comedy, Adam Sandler uh, comedy, of course, Tommy Boy um, with Chris Farley. That was really, really well done there. So he could do comedy, he could do drama, and, of course, Rambo. We can't forget he was in Rambo as well. That was something uh, he did a great job in as well. So Brian Dennehy, who was... Just a great character actor. He could be a great lead guy, comedy. He could do it all. So he will be sorely missed in the acting world. And so that was something that uh, hit me overnight, of course. Coming up, coming up on Sunday, and you're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061 and following us on Facebook Live, there's a 10-part documentary Sunday night on ESPN called uh, The Last Dance. And uh, how that started was Phil Jackson knew it was going to be his final season with the Chicago Bulls. And basically, before the season started, he held up a program and gave it to the players with all the information about the season. And the title of it was The Last Dance. He said, this is going to be it for us as a group. 
they knew it going in that they would all be possibly going out, you know, elsewhere at the end. But Phil Jackson basically coined the phrase, the last dance, and it was. And so you'll see uh, some aspects of this team that you've never seen before. Now, I've had the absolute honor of meeting Michael Jordan, getting to talk to him. It was one of the great uh, opportunities of my life in broadcasting. And, you know, everything I've ever heard about him, of course, his drive, his determination, second to none, his will to win, which sets him apart from everyone. But in this 10-part documentary we start Sunday, you're going to see aspects of Michael Jordan that might portray him in a light that he says many people may not uh, like him in, in terms of seeing him as one way you never saw him. How can I put this? Because I've seen some clips on this and uh, heard some folks that have been close to the making of this talk about it. Michael Jordan could be very uh, biting in his comments, and that's putting it mildly in terms of his teammates. He demanded excellence from them, and when he didn't get it, he didn't make any bones about it. He would get in guys' faces. Uh, there was a comment about uh, Robert Parrish, the great, they call him the chief, of course, in Boston, when he went to the uh, Bulls uh, late in his career. And Jordan was known to bully some guys and make sure he tried to intimidate, and one day something didn't go right, and he got into Parrish's face, a big, tall center who played for Boston so well. And Parrish looked at him and said, look, man, he goes, these guys might be enamored with you, but I'm not. I'm here to play and help you win, but don't ever get in my face again. And they said that Jordan basically, you know, moved on, didn't bother him anymore after that. But that it took that kind of interaction to where uh, Parrish was not going to be pushed around. And he let it be known from day one that, hey, I'm here to help you, but I'm not going to let you dominate me like you do these other guys. Jordan had the ability, the guys like the Will Purdue's of the world and Luke Longley's and, uh, you know, he would get in their faces. He could demand and he could get on them. And trust me, if they didn't play to their potential, he would chew their tails out. That made Michael Jordan who he was. He demanded excellence, not only from himself, but from everybody around him. And it didn't matter if it was Pippen, if it was Kerr. I mean, he and Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors, actually got in a fist fight. And he gave Steve Kerr a black eye because Steve Kerr challenged him in practice. One of those things where you don't hear about the behind-the-scenes aspect. But Jordan was so dominant in his practicing, in the way he practiced. And what he expected in practice, he expected in games. And if you didn't give 100% in practice, he would chew your tail out. And then conversely, in games, he would get in your face as well if you weren't giving everything you had. He set the tone and said, hey, I'm giving everything I have. If you don't, then you're not going to be with me very long. I mean, I'm demanding this of you. And I think that's one of the things that made Scottie Pippen uh, the Robin to Jordan's Batman was the greatness in what he pulled out of Pippen. Pippen was a great player, but it was Jordan that pulled the greatness out of Pitt, Pippen in terms of asking him to do more things. He was a great guy that could score, but he also shut people down defensively. Pippen's defense and when you play Jordan in practice, he would learn and he would see. And uh, I think Jordan's mentorship towards Pippen helped make Pippen even better. So those Chicago Bulls who were just dominant, a 10-part documentary. And the deeper you look into the story, you find that, you know, you had GM Jerry Krause. He didn't feel he was getting enough uh, in terms of credit for building the team. And there was a lot of dissension at times from different players, if Krauss brought somebody in Jordan didn't like, he voiced his displeasure because Jordan felt 
that, hey, if I get this piece and this piece, we can keep winning. And many people felt that that Bulls dynasty could have gone on had they added a few key pieces, which they didn't. And then they eventually uh, there started to be a problem with uh, Krause in Jackson, the head coach, and they decided to go separate ways. Jackson leaves, and next thing you know, the dynasty goes apart. So if you look at the Bulls from top to bottom, um, you know, Ron Harper's of the world, Steve Kerr's of the world, they had some great pieces. Uh, uh, Bill Cartwright was added. Of course, uh, they had a lot of people that were role players, but the key was, could you work within Jordan and could you work within Pippen in terms of knowing where they were? Now, when Jordan left, you remember Tony Kukoc came in and then Scotty Pippen one time was uh, left out of a key play down the stretch and it, it went to Kukoc and he hit the game winner and Pippen got upset. Pippen didn't even go back on the court. So when you look at what happened with the Bulls after Jordan left, they fell apart. Basically, they had no heartbeat. Jordan was the heartbeat of that team. But make no mistake, while Phil Jackson was a coach, it was Michael Jordan that made things happen on the court. And trust me, if he wasn't happy, he made no mistake of letting you know he wasn't happy. He would get on you and make sure that you were given everything you had, uh, every opportunity he could in terms of demanding excellence from you. So Michael Jordan's 10-part documentary starts uh, Sunday night on ESPN, The Last Dance. And uh, it was going to be a great series. And don't be disappointed about what you see about Jordan because you could probably see him in a light that you have never seen him before in terms of the demands he placed on teammates and the things he would do. He was very critical, and they're going to show that, and they're going to show aspects, and he's even gone on record saying, I think some folks are going to see aspects of me they're not going to like. And it's that drive and that push of his teammates that wasn't always very gentle that's going to bring him out as kind of a, a bad guy in some ways. But when you look at the results and the world titles, you'll see there was a method to his madness. So you'll have to understand Michael Jordan was always thinking uh, 10 moves ahead. I mean, he was playing chess, everybody else playing checkers. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to come back from the Washington Redskins World Championship team of 1991. Danny Copeland, number 26, defensive back, joins us on Facebook Live and Sports 106.1. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, this is Joe Theismann, and you're listening to The Sports King with Jamie King. Hi, it's The Sports King, Jamie King, and I'm here to offer you truly life-changing advice. If you or someone you know suffers from foot pain, don't delay. Take immediate action and visit the podiatry centers of Dr. Paul Ross with two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. I know firsthand he changed my life and totally restored my foot. He will do the same for you. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to a man whose yoga instructor asked him how flexible he was. And he replied that he couldn't do Tuesdays. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. And welcome back, everyone. 17th day of the month, one step closer to where we want to be. And that's back to normalcy or the new normal as they're saying but uh, the grand reopening of the country we're hearing that yesterday we heard uh, words that uh, we really want to hear and that's that we're going to get back to the way things used to be on some level as soon as possible and we thank you for joining us on facebook live and sports 1061 home of the sports king home of big al and the sports phone big al is on eight to ten right before me monday through friday then i follow him ten to twelve 
And that's Everyday Live. And then we've got Jim Rome in the jungle from Los Angeles, California, following the Sports King show right here on Sports 106.1. And Tiki and Tierney, and we've got it all right here on Sports 106.1. We thank you for joining us, joining us this morning. Of course, 17th day of April, the month is flying by. Uh, in some ways, other ways, when you're inside, it just seems like a Groundhog Day, another day, another day. But uh, one of those situations where we're dealing with it as best we can, 37 days without sports. And I said yesterday on the show, I have learned more than ever that every aspect of sports I appreciate more than ever. I appreciate uh, the smell of the grass, the popcorn, the people selling the programs, all of the fun, all the bunting, all of the noise, all of everything. I mean, we love it. And uh, we miss it terribly. And it's been a long time coming, 37 days. We're doing our very best. We're hanging in there. And that's all we can do is each day uh, work and just keep your head down, just keep staying positive and just believe that tomorrow's going to be a brighter, better day. And a guy that always brightens my day, a guy that I love hearing from, a guy that Big leagues me sometime because he doesn't have time for me all the time, which makes me mad. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I love this guy. He's been a great friend of mine for so many years. I love his family and uh, one of the kindest people on earth in terms of what he does for his community, what he does uh, for the people around him. One of the most giving athletes I've ever met. He is Danny Copeland, Super Bowl champion, number 26, joins us on the Sports King Show and making his debut on my show. Hey, Danny, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jamie. It's good to be with you. Fantastic. So before we get going, how are you, Joanne, the kid? How's everybody doing from a physical standpoint? And how are you making it through uh, this rough stretch? My bunch is doing really well, Jamie. We actually have uh, three of them in from out of town and out of everywhere. But they're uh, young adults now. Most of them, actually, you, I think, you know, we have a seven year old. But uh, the young adults are doing well, finding their way in the world, finding their purpose, and it's 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 good from that standpoint. The obvious is the pan- pandemic is tough on everybody, but um, again, it's good to be together with the kids, and we're working through it together, man. When you look back, and we're going to go back to your career and talk about that to start things off, of course. Uh, the NFL draft, you're picked ninth, ninth round, 244 by the Cleveland Browns out of Eastern Kentucky. When did it start to come to a point where you said, you know what, this next level, I have done a great job here at Eastern Kentucky, but I really feel I could do it at the next level. When did it start to really click for you? Um, I, you know, I was in pursuit of professional football from um, probably elementary school, and each level, yeah, this it's a little bit tougher. There's a an adjustment period that everybody goes through, but most guys in it feel like they can win. You know, you you grow through learning and growing and receiving great information, hopefully from great coaches along the way. My parents were very instrumental in helping me to believe that uh, if I worked hard enough, then I could accomplish anything that I set my mind to. So it um, probably got to a place when um, I was drafted ninth and felt like, um, really felt like folks really didn't want to give me a, a fair shake, maybe because I was from a smaller school. Um, but, you know, some of those things will help to fuel uh, your work uh, effort and ethic. 
and that was much more of what it did for me. I ended up with um, the plane dealer up in Cleveland writing an article in which they <laughs> highlighted me and my chances of not making the team. And um, that, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of set a little itch in your crawl. So um, it, when that happened, when I read that article and it really felt like in doing my best, I, I'd be able to compete with anybody and everybody um, that kind of set me off. So I was on a mission from that point, and thankfully things uh, ended up not working out in Cleveland. <laughs> so I ended up uh, becoming a Plan B free agent, going down to Kansas City and making that team. You made the Kansas City Chiefs. Yesterday on the show, uh, safety Eugene Robinson of the Atlanta Falcons, who told us coming out of college he was undrafted and uh, basically nobody gave him a chance, and he talked about the fact that uh, wasn't his measurables. Nobody cared about his height and weight because he didn't have it. He said it was the size of his heart that nobody could determine. And when you look at what you did coming out uh, ninth round and 244, you go to Kansas City. Talk about the early days in Kansas City and how you adapted out of Eastern Kentucky and uh, what was that like, that transition into the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, it was still tough. Um, Kansas City at that time, we had some some great players. Deron Cherry happened to be the free safety. I'm a you know coming in as a free safety. Deron Cherry was uh, I think man five six time Pro Bowler at the time, so uh, it was nothing <laughs> nothing given going into that environment. Uh, they ended up bringing in Jeff Donaldson, who had been uh, pretty good safety with the uh, Atlanta Falcons. And so my first year, I actually ended up being a number three free safety. Well, nobody keeps a third free safety. So I was basically there to be a special teamer, uh, embrace that role, um, I think, well. But um, the thing that ended up um, not being there for me, excuse me, that I ended up walking into when I'm finally a Washington Redskin was uh, the team, team chemistry uh, guys being willing to open up and teach young players such as myself. Um, again, we had some great players in Kansas City, but there was not a lot of sharing of the wealth, if you will, not a lot of investment in guys like myself. So it kind of felt like a solo run. Ironically, I'm having a conversation with my best buddy with the Washington Redskins a couple of nights ago. Stephen Hobbs and I were talking about um, when he left the same environment. He left Kansas City, moved on to Washington, um, was embraced right away by the receiving core, uh, received really, really, really well by the uh, coaching staff. And I had one year later, I'm in the same situation, walk into an environment where when you signed as a member of that team, uh, you were team. So it was a little bit different. I am. Um, can't say I didn't enjoy um, most of my ride there in Kansas City, but it was totally different at the end. Our special guest, Danny Copeland, former Washington Redskins Super Bowl champion, of course, started Eastern Kentucky, went on the Kansas City Chiefs. You told me a story about the Kansas City Chiefs that Marty Schottenheimer, of course, in, in some of the mind games, if you will, there'd be meetings sometimes and guys that you saw maybe the day before when you looked over in a chair, there'd be an empty chair and you had to deal with that from a mental aspect because sometimes guys that were there one day weren't there the next and it was kind of like that unwritten rule where you just like, hey, you better do what you do or you may not be here very long. So you were always working hard to get beyond that. 
Yeah, you've heard it before, obviously, but um, the business, the industry is much about what have you done for me lately. And um, so in that situation, it was uh, kind of daily, man. You're trying to prove yourself. You're trying to prove your worth uh, over and over, and um, there wasn't a lot of feedback. I had two um, two really good uh, position coaches, if you will, uh, Tony Dungey was there and happened to be the secondary coach. He communicated really, really well. Bill Cower uh, happened to be on the same staff, and uh, he was defensive coordinator at the time. Those guys were phenomenal. Um, but top-down, um, the management style, again, was just different. It seemed like it was more about keeping the thing um, a little bit more shaken up, if you will. Um, you know, not to the point that you couldn't work, but – there's always the, the thought that I have to prove myself one more time, and that proving yourself was on a daily basis. In 1991, we were blessed by Danny Copeland coming to the Washington Redskins, and it was a move that was a career changer. Of course, you went on the magnificent ride, 14-2. and two. Talk about that Redskin team, one of the greatest of all times, in terms of what it meant to you, still looking back all these years later in terms of what that team meant from the specialness of it and winning a world title? Oh, wow, man. You know, walking into that environment again, um, you know, and I had my first talk with Joe Gibbs over the telephone. It's one of those things where you um, you feel like you're getting a recruiting pitch all over again. And uh, so, you know, I'll come, <laughs> I'll come take the visit, get the free meals, whatever. Um, hopefully they lay out some red carpet, whatever. Um, but I was at whatever stage as far as my career and really didn't feel like, you know, I was be able to finish, uh, if you will, trying to um, finish climbing the ladder. But um, we were, I say we, my wife and I were immediately met by and embraced by uh, several players on the team their wives came and met my wife, which, again, was totally different for uh, recruiting at that time. And um, they made my wife feel at home. And so I felt that at home also uh, meeting Monty Coleman and Charles Mann and Daryl Green and, you know, household names even at this point. Uh, but the thing that sticks out most in my mind, man, almost 30 years later, was uh, actually meeting Clarence Bond, who happened to be a strong safety and he was the number two strong safety. You know, the whole world probably still remembers Alvin Walton. Alvin Walton was an all-pro uh, starter at the safety position, strong safety position. And um, I'm being brought in to uh, be evaluated at that position. And the first day of um, what they call OTAs now, first day of summer practice, Clarence Bond comes and positions himself beside me as uh, Alvin Walton's in taking reps. And Clarence begins to teach me the position. And, you know, that was, that was different. You know? <laughs> I was used to safety is not talking to me at uh, the two other teams I've been with. But here is Clarence Vaughn being willing to teach me as a teammate. Uh, again, um, just totally embrace me. And bless my socks off, man, by doing that. And, uh, again, Hobbs and I were talking about at the very end of that Super Bowl season, we have three strong safeties. I'm the starter at the time. Alvin Walton uh, still a part of the team. And Clarence Vaughn was also a part of the team. Clarence had gone out to Kansas City, been brought back uh, right at the end of the season. 
and he's there for the Super Bowl. He was in street clothes. We win the game. Um, you know, you got a uh, euphoric situation. Everybody's just, you know, excited and reveling in the, the victory. But then I'm standing there, man, and I'm praying, literally praying on the sideline, Lord, is this it? Is this all that's about? And as I'm thinking through those thoughts, man, my eyes go down the sideline. I see Clarence Vaughn standing there in street clothes. But even in street clothes, he was going to be awarded his second Super Bowl. And I believe because the guy was faithful to embrace me as a teammate and bless me and my family. And so he gets to share in the reward at the end. And that was much, much more the Washington situation for us. Wow. What a what a story of all the things to remember. You remember a guy that could have been against you, uh, but basically hung with you and provided mentorship when he didn't have to. And that shows you how special that team was and what a great uh, memory for you and for us as you look back over your great career with the Skins. And, of course, that Super Bowl, uh, we'll never forget it because it's been our last thing to hold on to. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back with Danny Copeland. We want to talk about the lone touchdown of his career. It came against the hated Dallas Cowboys. This is a great story. You don't want to miss this one. And we'll talk a little bit more about what he's up to now. All this and more coming your way as the Sports King rolls on this Friday morning. Hi, this is Joe Beninati. You're listening to the Sports King, Jamie King on Sports 106.1. With 19 NCAA Division I sports and 84 majors, Coastal Carolina University affords student-athletes the competition and learning they crave. From FBS football to ladies volleyball, from championship baseball to ladies lacrosse, From business to theater arts, Coastal Carolina University offers a depth of learning both on the field and in the classroom. Eager ambition is a hallmark of students and faculty at Coastal Carolina University. Schedule a tour and learn more at coastal.edu. You're listening to the man who thinks that Velcro is nothing more than a ripoff. The Sports King on Sports 106.1. Welcome back, everyone. It's a Friday, the 17th of April, 2020. And we are dealing with things we've never dealt with before. But folks who are one step closer, you just got to believe. Say your prayers. Thank the folks that are making it happen. The frontline folks, the nurses, the doctors, EMTs, the truckers, the people stocking the shelves, all those people out there that we're grateful for in our lives. And we have a guest that returns for another segment that I am grateful he's been in my life for so many years, a guy that has impacted me by the way he treats others, the way that he gives back to his community. We did some camps together and did some things for his uh, community and one of the classy guys in the NFL, a guy that has always put others before himself. He's a trainer now. He does a lot of uh, individual work for people. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. But let's go back. We were rejoined by Danny Copeland, the outstanding uh, safety uh, defensive back for the Redskins from, uh, of course, Super Bowl championship team of 1991. Danny, let's go back to the lone touchdown of your career. And many say if you ever are going to score a touchdown in your career, there is only one team that you want to score the touchdown against, and that would be the hated Dallas Cowboys. So you will forever be in our hearts and in our minds for scoring a touchdown. Now, having been there at this game, the one thing about this touchdown that was I found hilarious is the the fumble happened in the end zone with about three minutes left in the game. If you recall this, and I know you do, it gave the Redskins a twenty to seventeen win. 
you were at the bottom of a pile. It looked like you were rummaging for uh, who knows what, but you're down there. You're digging and you're digging and you're digging, and you find the football. Troy Aikman had fumbled. You find the ball. You held it up, and the referees were still down there looking for it, and then you run out to almost midfield. You had the ball overhead. Talk about that moment and what it meant to you in your career beating the Dallas Cowboys, recovering that fumble. You know, Jamie, at that time, the Cowboys were kind of on the ascent and we were kind of on the decline. Uh, so it meant, it meant a heck of a lot, especially having to watch them over the next few years kind of dominate the game. But uh, in the moment, it was one of those, it was just, uh, man, it was total elation because somebody had called that. I think it was uh, Jason Buck had, um, I think it said to Andre Collins, I'm going to make him fumble. I'm going to make him fumble. You'll be in position to cover the fumble. And it happened just just that way. I wasn't the guy that he was speaking to, but the ball was actually laying between uh, the legs of one of the linemen. And with the whole scrum going on, nobody saw the football. And so I dove down between the guy's uh, legs and grabbed the football, covered it up, and then was able to pull it out. And uh, I'm standing right beside one of the referees. He goes, sticks his head into the pile, and I take the football and run off to the sideline. Well, that went on for about a minute or so. They're looking for a football that disappeared, and I'm standing on the sideline excited, you know, holding the football up. And so Richie, <laughs> Richie Pettibone, the defensive coordinator, grabs me by uh, shoulder pads and pushes me back out on the field. Get in there. And uh, – so I went into – I went actually went back on the field, but I took the long route. I think I went to the center of the field and <laughs> ran down and gave them the football. But it was the obvious. It was uh, total uh, jubilation at that point to be able to knock those guys off. Now, you had the Super Bowl win, but let me ask you this. From a career highlight, and you've had many, would you say that one stood above all? Because I remember the crowd, the eruption from the crowd at, at the stadium that day. And, you know, the fact that you're there and for one moment to have the adulation to beat the hated Dallas Cowboys with you holding the ball that you did it had to be something you'll cherish forever. I I do, Jamie, but actually I'm sitting here looking at a Super Bowl ring. <laughs> well, I was going to get to that next. That's, that was my next question. I'm glad you led to that. When that was, you look that at that Super Bowl. moment, but it was a moment. Okay, that was a moment. When you look at that Super Bowl ring, thanks for the segue. When you look at that ring, dating back to 1991 season, of course, 14-2, and one of the great teams in the history of the NFL, one of the highest scoring teams, one of the best overall teams, top to bottom. What does that ring signify and mean to you in terms of when you look down at it? I know you smile, but what does it really mean to you? Uh, you know, I mentioned my best buddy, Stephen Hobbs. Um, Stephen Hobbs happened to be playing behind uh, Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, Art Monk. And to say that I, I got to play on a team with those guys, um, and again, it's not necessarily right now as everybody's thinking about those names, but those guys uh, as men are, are etched in my heart. Uh, Daryl Green taught me so much. Uh, Charles Mann uh, again, the story popped up a couple of days ago. Uh, I can see Charles Mann putting his hand in my chest 
uh, one afternoon as I'm going into the weight room and trying to become a pro bowler like him, he put his hand in my chest, stopped me, and said, go home to your wife. And, you know, when you're a younger player uh, and a four-time pro bowler stops you on the way to the weight room and says, go home, uh, it's so not only was it meaningful, but right now I think because um, guys like that spoke truth and, and they were much, much more about family and, and team and friendship, that those are the things that football is much, much more about than uh, what unfortunately meets just the media. So, uh, so many memories, man, of, um, again, like I said, Daryl Green taught me so much as a young man. And to think about, uh, I'm 25 years old at the time. He's maybe 30, 31 years old. And he speaks the same thing. You know, go home, take care of your family. Um, those guys were all about community and, and serving people. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot to be said about the, the talent of a, a Mark Rippon, but there's so much more to be said about the guy behind the scenes and things that, again, that the um, community outside of our immediate community there in, in Northern Virginia and, and Southern Maryland did not get to see. Our special guest, number 26, formerly of the Washington Redskins Super Bowl champion, Danny Copeland, in our final moments with Danny. When you look back nearly 30 years ago, Joe Gibbs came into your life as a head coach. We know what he did and meant to you from a coaching standpoint. What about the life lessons and the man? What do you remember most and will take away from having worked with Joe Gibbs? Wow. He's a big part of why I get to do what I get to do now with um, young athletes and, and some older athletes and that, um, you know, I, I got to meet with him one Saturday, he called me in on a Saturday and uh, he is going over the roster, he has the roster sitting there on his desk and I'm, you know, I'm looking at that and, you know, is, is this about a roster move? I thought I was, in good standing with the team at that time, but uh, I'm thinking, you know, he's looking at the roster. What's what's going on? And um, he tells me to go ahead and have a seat. And um, he says, you know, our general manager is looking at a couple of these guys from Denver who are free agents, I, uh, Steve Atwater, and I think it was Dennis Smith at the time. But he said these guys are uh, free agents, and our general manager would like to take one of these guys as free agent in the off season. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's kind of strong language. But <laughs> and he said, <laughs> you're my safety. Brad Edwards is my safety. He said, you guys do exactly what, it, what I ask of you. These guys that our general manager is touting are hitters. They knock the snot out of people. You guys don't do that for us. It's not what we ask of you. You do what we ask of you. He said, but I want you to do me a favor. We're playing Denver on Monday night, and I need you guys to go out and show my general manager that you can knock the snot out of somebody. And Jamie was kind of, I think, some of the stuff that we got to to do that night, Brad and I got to do that night, would be uh, probably borderline illegal, if not totally. (laughs) totally, Okay, I've got to stop. I got to stop here, folks. After that talk (laughs) with Joe Gibbs, if you go back and watch this play on Monday night, Danny Coe, I, I can't remember the guy you hit, but he That's hit a guy so hard. Who was it? I don't remember his name. Okay, he don't remember 
and the guy that he hit doesn't remember. I'm telling you this. He hit this guy so hard, he knocked him into the next week. I'm not kidding you. You have to go back and that game on a Monday night, uh, and Joe Gibbs basically gave you the green light to headhunt for a bit, and as you said, uh, in so many words. But uh, yeah. you, know, you did something that you were able to let it loose, and uh, you definitely had a hit. Uh, one of the great ones of all time on any Monday night game, on any game I've ever seen. And uh, in our final minute with Danny Copeland, Danny, before, before you leave, um, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, you know we love you, and we are pulling for you and your family and coming out of this. Can you give us a message of hope, not only for our listeners, but uh, a message maybe to Redskins fans? We hope that the skins turn it all around and we get back on solid ground here. But uh, do you have any message you'd like to pass along to the listeners? Yeah, Jamie, and, and, and this one comes straight from Winston's locker room, you know, behind the scenes again, uh, and, and in some cases publicly. Our, we had some committed Christians, some committed believers, and those guys always spoke hope. And I believe that's where we are as a community, as a global community. I believe God's going to bring us through this. The unfortunate side is some people won't make it to the other side of this pandemic. The beauty of it is we're finding answers uh, even as we speak. And, um, you know, little by little, we're, we're getting better results day by day. So we just want to encourage everybody to keep the hope, keep the faith. And uh, God bless you all. Thank you, my friend. Always enjoy to talk to you. And we will catch up with you soon. And you be safe. And thank you for joining us on the Sports King Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 106.1. Hi, this is Ryan Mitchell, former Washington Redskins, and you're listening to the Sports King on Sports 106.1. Coastal Carolina University offers you the academic experiences you need to succeed after college. From marine science to computer science, from theater to music technology, from hospitality management to health administration, there is a place for you at Coastal Carolina University. With inspired learning opportunities in the classroom, in the field, online, and around the world, Coastal Carolina offers the opportunities to support and empower your success. Visit coastal.edu to learn more. The Sports King Studio Line is now open. If you got a sports question, thoughts on your mind about your favorite team, we'd love to hear from you at 804-327-0888. That's 804-327-0888. And welcome back, everybody, across the United States of America, around the world, everybody listening to the Sports King Show on this Friday. We thank you so much, and we want to remind you, don't forget that Sports 106.1 will be the home and is the home to Alabama football, but we also have a show on Saturday about Alabama athletics related to the spring game and update uh, with the announcer for the games, Eli Gold, who does a great job not only for Alabama football, but he's also the voice of NASCAR as well. He's done some great things in NASCAR. Eli Gold will be on our station, Sports 1061, 2 to 4 Eastern Time on Saturday. So you don't want to miss that if you're an Alabama fan and you want to hear about all of the things with Alabama. They'll have interviews, updates, and so forth. I'm sure Nick Saban will be part of that program. And uh, you'll get updated on everything with the Alabama team right now and what they're going through in terms of their preparations. I know things were limited, but 
many of their players are doing things uh, through the Zoom app where they're watching and learning online and practicing and lifting and doing everything they can. And it's a tough time. So uh, they're trying to get through it as best they can. And uh, they join us in trying to do everything we can to get through uh, another day of this uh, shutdown that looks like the clouds are starting to lift a little bit. We're hearing yesterday that the country might be reopening, which is a great thing, uh, starting on May 1st, maybe even sooner in places like Montana, Wyoming, and uh, South Dakota. So some places without a lot of the uh, COVID-19 virus looking to open up in some capacity. Some people will start going back uh, to work and start doing some of the things they are used to doing slowly. It's going to be across the United States, state by state. The governors are going to make the calls and start opening up. But they're talking about when we go back to work, people have to wear the face mask for a time, the gloves potentially for a time. Uh, of course, continue washing hands, continue social distancing, all those things, but slowly integrating back into a new normal for a while something we're not used to. And folks, I've got to tell you, when I have been out uh, on a few occasions, I've been out, it's very shocking to the system to see the things that I've seen in terms of the supermarkets and the distance that you have to stay. And you hear about it. And when you see it, you're like, wow. And people sometimes in their faces, they look concerned and worried that they don't want you to get too close, which you understand. But it's situations like Von Miller, we found out this morning that Von Miller has tested positive for the COVID-19 virus and former Super Bowl champ and Super Bowl MVP said he didn't even know. And he said he was, he thought healthy. He'd been staying in. He hasn't been anywhere bad. He hasn't been anywhere around people, but he said the four times he's been out of the house, he stayed in the car, but yet he came down with it. So those are the questions I have is the folks that uh, in some cases may have it uh, that don't know. And I'm sure the testing, which is going to be re- more robust as we go along, we'll find out more and more about it. And certain people, it seems, are not as prone to get it as others. And I know that, you know, if you're older, that's something that's uh, an aspect or having any underlying health issues uh, definitely could be an underlying aspect. So we certainly hope and pray that all the scientists out there and the doctors that are working so hard around the clock to come up with uh, a solution and an antidote to this virus. When you look at some of the things they've done with the uh, the Abbott company doing the five-minute test where you can find out within 15 minutes whether you have it or not, and now we're hearing about a saliva test that can do it in a few minutes. Every day, the advances of science when you look at the scientists and the time they're putting in the effort and the knowledge and the things that go behind the scenes in terms of these folks having to figure out different uh, aspects of how this works, it's just amazing to me to see the science at work and the people behind the scenes that you look at them and you're like, wow, how are they doing this? How are they coming up with the solutions? And everybody's working so hard, but we want to take our hats off here on the Sports King Show as we do every day for the doctors and the nurses at the front line for whom don't get enough credit because these folks are there every day, uh, sometimes double shifts, sometimes triple shifts, not getting very much sleep at all and putting themselves in harm's way. And sometimes they've had enough supplies. Sometimes they haven't and they've overcome all of that. Now it looks like the supplies are coming in faster. The main thing now is the testing. And when you have 330 million American people, you're wondering how you can do this. Does everybody eventually have to get tested? 
because they're saying that by next month there should be 5 million people tested. So I know that should go to the people in most need, but you wonder if eventually it's going to have to be everybody getting tested and we're going to have to see uh, how that's going to play out. But right now we're hearing that in the early part of May that baseball could be coming back, and we're hopeful for that. Now, Arizona would be the place for Major League Baseball, and it would be a situation where it would be played uh, in a small, uh, several-mile area where every team for Major League Baseball is going to play without fans. So we'll get to watch these games, which is exciting. But, of course, uh, you can cheer at home watching on your computer or watching on television the select teams that are selected. You know, I'm sure teams like the Yankees and the Nationals and the Dodgers and some of the teams with a lot of the high-profile athletes are going to be featured more than maybe some of the small market teams. But to be able to see your team, you can also subscribe to, of course, MLB Baseball and watch your favorite team. Of course, you can buy a package and watch your team. But to watch your team play with no fans is going to be something that is going to be very interesting and very uh, strange, to say the least. But, you know, for the short term, we'll do that. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that college football could be started with no fans or a smaller group of fans. And I think in football, you're looking at the stadiums and the you know tailgating and the things that make college football. What makes college football is the people and the fans. And not having the fans, it's a twofold deal. For the one aspect is the kids that get fired up by the fans. And then, of course, the entire university where all the other sports get paid off of the football aspect. So you have to have the fans there. I think to have a season, even partially without fans, would really economically kill a lot of universities that are so dependent upon the football revenue, not just for the football teams, but the, the soccer, the gym, gymnastics, the uh, rowing, the uh, baseball, the softball, wrestling, all of them are going to suffer if the football team cannot draw the fans. So my hope is for the fans to be able to go back, uh, hopefully, in stadiums. If they say half full, then it's going to economically hurt everyone at the college-university level. So that's something we're going to keep our eye on. We want to remind you, of course, we talked at the top of the show that uh, today in sports history, Mike Schmidt, uh, hit four home runs. Ben Maitland was able to pull this one out, this factoid against the Chicago Cubs. On this date, four home runs in one game. Tremendous. And Michael Jack Schmidt, of course, of the Phillies, one of the great uh, home run hitters and a contact guy. He could do it all. Great third baseman. He was an incredible player. One of my favorites, Mike Schmidt. And, of course, Pete Rose. uh, We talked at the very top of the program, the all-time hits king on this date against Eric Schau. He uh, was able to single to left field and thus break Ty Cobb's all-time hit streak. Uh, Just an amazing accomplishment. And uh, it was a great, great night, of course, the pageantry of that night. Much like Cal Ripken breaking the all-time games played streak. Uh, And you look at what he did with Lou Gehrig, the same thing with uh, Ty Cobb. Two of the great players of yesteryear, both eclipsed by two legendary players. Two nights I'll never forget in terms of sports history, and it was today that Pete Rose, who still deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, we certainly hope he will take his place in Cooperstown eventually, sooner rather than not later. want to let you know that uh, 
We also appreciate Danny Copeland, who joined us in the first hour, the Redskins' former safety, a guy that started his career with the Kansas City Chiefs, moved on to the Redskins, of course, part of the 14-2 and team that did such great things, led by Mark Rippon, Joe Gibbs, and that team offensively, one of the top-scoring teams in the league, and uh, they were just unbeatable that year. Two games they lost, they really shouldn't have lost. It, it was just an incredible performance by a team that, had everything working for them. Uh, they were able to run the football, pass, protect, uh, defend. They could do it all. A team that was as complete as any. And I think when you look at the greatest teams of all time, that team in 91, in my opinion, will go up against anybody from top to bottom when you look at the numbers. Just an incredible team uh, of great performers. As he said, a great group of guys that really hung together. They were close on the field. They were close off the field. They were close community members, and they were a team uh, definitely for the ages. So you want to remember the Redskins of 91 is one of the uh, best ever to be formed and best ever coached and top to bottom. They had it all. The NFL draft right around the corner. It's going to be interesting. The Redskins continually uh, talking about Chase Young. Will it be Chase Young or will, won't it be Chase Young? He's a guy that uh, many people like Urban Meyer have gone on record saying you've got to take this guy if you have the opportunity. And, of course, many people think he will go number two. The question is, can the Redskins get value? The Redskins and Ron Rivera have said they are open for business. What do you think about this? Give us a call. 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number on this Friday. We hope you're doing well. And it's day number 37 without sports. And it has been a long road getting back to where we want to be. But, folks, we're getting that much closer. I spoke with Big Al last night. Uh, of course, Big Al on Sports Phone from 8 to 10 every morning live. We are talking about the fact that, you know, it's going to be here soon enough. And we feel that uh, in every fiber of our being, we feel that this is going to be something that will return. And for the folks out there that have your favorite sports, you know, you're, you're pulling for it. You're hoping for it. And you think it's going to be here. And I think little things like the draft coming up, that's going to be a huge step forward, even if they're uh, – I'm smiling thinking about it because even if they're at home and you only get to see the player and then you see the coach or the GM in another room with a split screen, at least you see something with your team, and you can root for that. Uh, you can't root for it together, but you can root for it uh, wherever you're at watching, and it gives you a little bit of normalcy to say, hey, yeah, my team just took that guy, and we're getting this much better, we're getting this much closer, and it makes you feel like, yes, we are getting closer to – that time of year and we hope that with baseball starting late it gets going they've already talked about uh, professional golf Ben laid out some of the uh, tournaments here a week ago we went through that in terms of the Masters starting on November 9th weekend so things have been pushed back so we don't lose them in some cases but we hope they return sooner rather than later and we're going through this every day looking at different things and hoping it'll be returned. Of course, the NBA, will they come back on a uh, smaller schedule and then go right into the playoffs and give us at least closure on the NBA side? The NHL, you know, being a Washington Capitals fan, watching what they did and how well they played throughout, will they get the opportunity to potentially win a second world championship? Stanley Cup sitting there, and you hope that, you know, you come back and let the guys have maybe three weeks of uh, preparing for the rigors of a season finishing up maybe a smaller schedule of home games and away games, and then getting right into the playoffs. And playoff hockey, as you know, is second to none in terms of excitement. So you hope that closure comes for this 2020 year in terms of 
you look at what's lost, NCAA tournament. We missed that. I remember Ben telling me that he would have on a particular day, he'd go and have a beverage at his favorite watering hole and watch uh, basketball. And that was something he did. I remember my whole day working around, you know, you have a 12 o'clock game, you may have a three o'clock game, you have a six o'clock game and a nine o'clock game. And you could just watch every game and take notes and enjoy it. And you're just so enthralled with the NCAA tournament and to have it taken away from you through no fault of anybody's but a virus we never saw coming. It's very heartbreaking. And I feel so bad for the seniors out there that they waited their whole life to get to a point where they could be in an NCAA tournament. These guys worked so hard. And maybe they didn't have a good freshman or sophomore or junior team, but all the pieces came together for that senior year only to be wiped away and not have the chance. I mean, that is heartbreaking. It's almost the equivalent of what happened with the Carter administration and the Olympics that year when the Olympics were wiped out and we weren't able to send our athletes. Those folks had worked tirelessly for years preparing for that one shining moment to perform. And then because of a government issue and a situation, the government says, no, we're not going to send our athletes. You, in essence, rob those folks of everything they work for. And yes, they're Americans and they adhere to it, but doesn't mean they have to like it. And so many times, uh, politicians, when you look at some of these aspects, it's really heartbreaking to see what has happened. But in this case, you have a virus that nobody saw coming, and it basically ruined the NCAA tournament for both the men and the women. And you look at a smaller level, lower level, my heart also breaks, and I've said this and gone on record, the seniors out there, not only here in the Richmond area, and throughout Virginia, Central Virginia, but around the world that have worked so hard, the seniors that are part of special aspects of teams that wanted to see their season end in the state championship or a playoff run and have a season coming up that has been wiped out. And your heart breaks for them because sometimes those freshmen, sophomore, and junior years are just the preamble to the Constitution. It just allows you to get ready for that one year where maybe you grow, maybe you physically get better, Maybe all the work you put in those three years leading up to that gives you the chance to say, yes, I'm ready to embrace this and lead this team to a championship. And then because of a virus, and here's what really sickens me, and the more you hear about it, and you can't say definitively, but this came potentially from a wet market situation where someone had bats and uh, basically was infected by a bat, eating a bat in some capacity and then passing on a human-to-human situation, and it basically spread that way. And something that you can't even imagine how it could have started, but some people are saying that might be. And if it is, you say to yourself, maybe they should outlaw all wet markets going forward because to have this happen to you know, high school athletes and high school folks in the United States of America and have senior seasons and senior years. I mean, some of these kids wanted to go to the prom and they wanted to finish out their senior year. I'm just heartbroken uh, for them because you look at those things, you say to yourself, well, you know, it's, it's disappointing and so forth. But folks look at it on a deeper level. These are kids senior years. And that's one thing that you can't get back. And it's like, they have really all in the, in the close friendships and so forth. Think about that. If you were told the beginning of the year, let's say you're in a dating situation or you had friends you're so close to that maybe the joys of your life every day in a school setting and you look forward to them every day and hanging out with them and that's wiped away and you can't go back to them. And I remember, um, you know, looking back, you say to yourself, 
you know, when you graduate, you never see those people again all in one room, and everybody goes off and does their own thing. These folks, these seniors this year, never had that opportunity to say a final goodbye to their friends, and that's what breaks my heart when you look at it on a deeper level in terms of, uh, you know, not only the sports side, that's one side, but uh, the human side where they have friendships that are uh, derailed because of something that, and here's the thing, if this was a wet bar deal and it could have been stopped and not only should somebody pay for this from a financial aspect, but from the human aspect, these young kids that are uh, losing friendships because not losing forever, but losing them in terms of being able to spend time with people they love and care about and learn and uh, graduate and have that moment to walk across the stage and get their diploma and be cheered by their parents and friends and relatives to have that taken away. That's another uh, deep cut for me that uh, it's so sad. And so there's so much more to look at when you look deeper beneath the surface of the little things that we feel so badly about throughout this situation. But on the positives, the NFL draft is coming back and we have people uh, more optimistic today than we were 37 days ago when the sports world came to a screeching halt. But we do have hope for tomorrow. We continue to have it. We've had it here every day on Sports 106.1. We're going to continue to have it. We love our sponsors. We love our community. We love the people that tune in and listen. And we're here for you. And we want to remind you folks, if at all possible, to be a hero in your community. If you have the ability, please donate blood contact the Red Cross. The blood mobiles are out there. Blood is in short supply. And if you're able to, and you're physically able to get out and you could contact the local Red Cross in your area, please donate blood because you're a hero by doing that. We also talk about if you're able to, you have paper products, you can afford to lend or give some paper products to somebody for the short term. Uh, people have a way of giving it back to you. It'll come back to you 10 times over. Just remember, Give with a giving heart, and it always come back to you in ways seen and unseen. If you have uh, maybe extra soup or extra sandwiches or extra pizza or something, and you have a neighbor in need, knock on the door, say, hey, Mrs. Smith, I just dropped off uh, some sandwiches for you. Just wanted you to know we're thinking of you. Those things, however small, are so huge in the game of life. And I'm telling you, folks, you're a hero. You'll say, well, I just gave him a sandwich. I just gave him a piece of pie. I just took over some soup. Folks, you are lifting people up. We continue to hammer that message home that by lifting people up every day, you are a hero to us in big ways and small ways. And everything you do and everything you do in terms of helping others is something heroic. And if we can just continue to do that, we're going to beat this thing and we are not going to look back. I'm telling you what, this country will be better than ever. I really believe that. I just believe that the soul of this country, the heart of this country, and the togetherness of this country. You know, everybody staying home, washing hands, social distancing. It's all been a very challenging time for everyone. We know that. But you guys have all done an amazing job. You deserve our congratulations because without everybody buying in, it would never happen. And that's something that I'm proud as an American to be able to say when you look at the people out there that have done what you guys have done, you deserve so much credit, and uh, you know we take our hats off to you. And I know Ben does as well, my outstanding producer, playing that uh, cheering, cheering sound that we always love to hear because we are uh, we take our hats off to you guys every single day here on the Sports King Show because we know what you're going through. We've been through it from day one, and we'll continue to be through it all the way through. But I can tell you this: when we hear the crack of the bat, and we hear 
you know, a ball game getting ready to start and a national anthem and all the things that go with it will start to feel normal again and we'll feel like we're back on track. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We hope in the coming days we'll start seeing little things. If you see baseball pitchers and catchers reporting somewhere and starting to gather together and starting to work out, you'll start saying, wow, hey, two weeks from now is the first game. Three weeks from now is the first game. And that will give you something to cling to. Right now it's the NFL draft, only a few days away. We're excited about that. And we're going to be talking about this in our final segment here on the Sports King Show. We want to let you know that we uh, always have thought Joe Burrow was going number one. We haven't changed. We haven't wavered on that. Everybody in the NFL, every team that's been talked to has said Joe Burrow, number one. It's not going to change. So don't expect anything at the top of the draft. That's not going to change. What could change, and Redskin fans know this, is number two. Will it be the guy that everybody feels could change the league from a defensive standpoint. People are talking about him like the next Lawrence Taylor. That's lofty praise. And if he is Lawrence Taylor, like, we'll take it. But many people think he will be the presumptive pick at number two, that they won't get off of him, that they'll stay there, that it's kind of smokescreen right now. But I think, and I believe Riverboat Ron Rivera says we're open for business. So, what are your thoughts? Give us a call on the Sports King Nation hotline at number 804-327-0888 is the number. 804-327-0888 is the number. And you can let us know what you think about the Redskins. Will they stand pat at number two? Will they move off of that? And we have continued to go on record. Ron Rivera says we're open for business. I believe him. I believe that if he gets the three picks that he's looking for, and I think the number is three, that he would trade uh, – out of there and move back to package up three for one if he can. Now we're also hearing from our sources that uh, Trent Williams could be on the way out and that potentially a trade partner is with Tampa Bay. Could we get O.J. Howard, the tight end from Tampa Bay, a guy that would be a huge addition to this Redskin team, not only as a blocker, but more so as a receiver, a guy that really could help us offensively. So, O.J. Howard, I'm all about that. If we can get him and swap Trent Williams and maybe get a fourth-round pick, at this point, the Trent Williams deal, to me, it's so I'm so over it. I think it's uh, you know been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You know, guys saying, hey, I'm the best player in the league still at my position, and you haven't played for nearly two years. I think it's foolhardy to say this guy is who he was at that point. Can he return to be a very good player at left tackle? Yes, but... Trust me, the headache is not worth the time right now. We need to get on from this guy. We need to move away from this guy. And if we get O.J. Howard another pick from Tampa, I say, can't get me the pen fast enough. You cannot get me the pen fast enough. I want to do that deal. I want to move Trent Williams out of here. O.J. Howard, I want in here. And I think the skies will be blue for the Redskins on that front if we can do that. Because we've got a few guys coming in that I think will be serviceable that we can use from an offensive line standpoint. But we still need some pieces. And my big point is if we get three for one at number two, you take the deal. If you can't get three for one and they're saying, I'll give you maybe a one and then I'll give you a two, maybe a late three or four, forget it. If I could get two in the first, one in the second, I'm taking the deal. If I don't, uh, hang up and we'll stay with what we have. And Chase Young is going to be a great one. But once again, uh, we need quality. We need depth. We need something more than just one player right now. Not saying he's not the guy that can turn things around because he can in a lot of ways on the defensive front, but we need more help. This team is not a one player 
uh, situation where it's going to be resolved with one guy. So don't make any, uh, don't have any misgivings about that. It's not just a one draft person deal where we'll say, hey, we got it. We can move on. We've got what we want. Yes, he's a major part, but he's not the only part. We need more help in a lot of ways. Not so sure. I mean, we've got Adrian Peterson at running back, a guy that says he wants to play well into his 40s. You wonder how much he has left in the tank. Of course, he keeps himself super fit. Darius Geis, Bryce Love, you got guys back there. Uh, McKisson, you've got, I mean, you've got different guys back there, but you don't know other than Peterson what you really have. And Peterson getting long in the tooth, you wonder how much more he has left. Does he have another 1,000-yard season in him? Does he have a 500-yard season in him? Are you going to use him around the goal line? These are the questions I have about Peterson. How are we going to use him this year? Uh, do you let him be that every down back for a while, or do you keep spelling him with younger guys, bringing the Chris Thompsons in, bringing the Geises in? What kind of rotation are we looking at in this new system, this new offensive system for the Redskins? So that's going to be interesting. Of course, Terry McLaurin, uh, we're excited about what he brings back as far as wide receiver, but we need more help at the wide receiver position. We need one guy that can come in and take the top off, to go deep, to stretch the field. They can do so. Uh, the big receiver we're looking for maybe through the draft. There's a lot of receivers in this draft I think that we could get, and I think we just have to keep uh, the phone lines open, and if we get the right deal, we take the right deal. So those are my thoughts heading into the situation with the Redskins in this draft. I think business is open should be the mantra there. They should tell every team in the league, listen, call us. Let's just talk. And if I'm Ron Rivera, I'm going to spend all day on the phone and just say, hey, what do you think? Here's what we want. What do you think? Here's what we want. And maybe you find that one trade partner that's willing to come in and give you what you need. So that's where I'm leaning to on this draft night coming up. If the Redskins can work the phones now. The work on draft is done leading up to, not the day of. The day of, it's already the die is cast for the most part. Yes, there's some things that can can change dramatically. But by and large, the work up to the draft and the positioning up to the draft, because you've let people know, I want this, I want this, if you give me this, if you give me this, and you start talking in generalities and hearing from some of the people that make the decisions. They're saying, hey, if you'll give us this and you'll give us this and we give you this, would you consider this? Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll get back to you. And then they start playing coy, and then they hang up, and they talk amongst themselves. If there's ever any interest, then they call back and get the phone working some more. And next thing you know, they start working through scenarios. The scenarios of this, scenarios of this. If I do this, will you do this? I won't do this, but I'll do this. Next thing you know, you try to get something in range of what you want. If you get close enough, you pull the trigger. If you don't, you move on from it. So that's the situation there in terms of, uh, the draft thought process. You have to have a partner that wants to dance with you. If you don't, uh, you know, you're in a bad situation. If you can find somebody that sees what you're looking to do and says, okay, I want that player. I covered that player enough. I'll move up and dance with them and I'm going to give them pretty much what they need Then I can get close enough to pull the trigger. And it's all about the negotiating. It's all about you know, not showing all your cards, but at least uh, letting people know you're interested in certain players. And you may call with a list of four to five to six guys you're interested in, knowing that you only want the one or two, but you want to see if they'll even be open to those guys. Because you may say, I want player X, Y, and Z, and they'll say, well, I'll look at player Y and Z, but not X. And X might be the guy you want. So it's all about not showing all your cards. It's a lot of horse trading. It's a lot of uh, situations where you're looking to uh, you know, get the best you can for your team without giving away anything 
Uh, you want to hold back as much as you can. And if you have a player that you're not really sure or sold on, you can move on from them. So interesting. But watch Trent Williams to the Buccaneers for O.J. Howard. I think this one's heating up, so we'll keep our eye on that. We're going to take a timeout. You're listening to Sports King on Sports 1061. Follow us on Facebook Live. Don't take, uh, don't go away. We're going to be right back. We're going to finish up on our draft uh, preview, what the Redskins might do. And we'll also uh, take a flashback and talk more about Pete Rose. This was the day he broke Ty Cobb's hit record. All that and more coming your way on the Sports King Show on Sports 1061. Hi, this is Andre Ryden, and you're listening to my friend, Jamie King, the Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, sports fans. It's the Sports King for the podiatry center of renowned foot doctor, Dr. Paul Ross. Dr. Ross is an expert who develops individual game plans for the sole purpose of getting his patients back to 100% as quickly as possible. In my case, I wore soft casts hard cast. I was in pain and I saw no relief. That is, until Dr. Ross came to the rescue. He restored my foot to the way it was originally and he gave me the quality of life I so desperately wanted to return to. He can do the same for you. He has state-of-the-art techniques and strategies to ensure your pain and issues become a thing of the past. If you've tried the rest, do yourself a favor and now try the best. Call today. Two offices to serve you, Bethesda, Maryland, and Springfield, Virginia. That's the podiatry center of Dr. Paul Ross. For more information, go to paulrossdpm.com. That's paulrossdpm.com. You're listening to the guy that was once addicted to brake fluid. But please don't worry, he says he can stop at any time. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back, everyone. Sports King, Sports 1061, also live on Facebook. Hello, Mississippi. Ricky Cunningham. Hello, Jim Burnup. We welcome you to the Sports King Show on this Friday morning, 17th of April. We want to go to some breaking news. Ben Maitland, Mac in Sports King Central, has some breaking news through Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. There's some news about the NFL draft. This you don't want to miss. Yeah, just a yeah, couple just of notes couple there, Jamie. On the on the draft front, I was you know, pretty fond of scrolling through uh, Rappaport's Twitter feed just to see if he's got any news or notes or nuggets uh, to glean as far as uh, the football front is concerned, especially with the draft coming up next week. Uh, a couple of things uh, from this morning. Uh, Rappaport had a general manager tell him the media is, quote, wronger about mock drafts this year than you guys have ever been, end quote. Point being, players are going to be taken in places no one expects. And then another thing that caught my eye was the Lions general manager, Bob Quinn, told reporters he's had conversations with teams about trading the number three overall pick, and those will continue. Uh, Rappaport's tweet there also says number three is where the draft starts. So it would appear, based on what he's been told, Joe Burrow to the Bengals, and then probably it looks like Chase Young is, is going to go to the Redskins, and we'll see what happens from there. Thank you very much. Ben Maitland, uh, my outstanding producer, talking about Ian Rappaport and the news that the draft, he has been told, will be starting at pick number three, meaning that it looks like Joe Burrow goes one. Chase Young could potentially stay at number two. And it looks like number three, Jeff Okuda, could potentially be moved out of that number three spot. So interesting uh, that they're talking about the draft being started on uh, the third pick, uh, and that the first two may be locked in, but the third one could be interesting. And Ben just said that 
there will be players drafted in positions you never thought that they would, and that this will be something this year that all the mock drafts have been getting it wrong, and that there will be all kinds of movement in the draft. So if he's wanting people to tune into the draft, you didn't have to worry about that. We're going to tune in anyway because uh, not a lot else going on in terms of sports. So we definitely want to see the draft. Of course, Ben Maitland said, wouldn't it be neat if we could have a draft night every night for seven nights? That would take up some time, and that would definitely uh, give us something to look forward to. I like that idea versus just having to go quickly because you want to kind of drag it out now because we definitely need something to hang our hat on each night. We do know that when the NFL's voluntary virtual off-season program opens, virtual off-season, do you believe that? Anyway, all-pro safety Jamal Adams of the New York Jets is not expected to participate. League sources told ESPN's Adam Schefter, the Jets have not expressed any official interest in extending Adams' contract thus far in the off-season. The team entertained offers for Adams at last year's trade deadline. I really like this Jamal Adams. I think he is one heck of a player. Uh, he's a guy that has played well for the Jets. I would love to see him if they wanted to make a move with the Redskins. He would be a guy that, you know, I would definitely love to see here. He's a hitter. He can cover. He can, uh, you know, he's definitely tough as a pass defender. So Jamal Adams, not happy and says he will not participate in the voluntary virtual offseason. And I just have to wonder, a virtual offseason, how that's going to work out for players. Uh, I guess they're going to have to be monitored lifting and running and everything else. I can imagine them having to check in with a strength coach and basically uh, work out and show some type of uh, you know progress in terms of if you need to lose weight, you're losing weight. If you need to run, have to show something. Jamal Adams at LSU, 6'1", 213-pounder. He is a strong guy. He's a big guy. Uh, he had 61 solo tackles in 2019. Uh, he won one interception, and uh, he's a guy that's an active guy on the tackling front, and he definitely knows how to uh, find the ball carrier. So Jamal Adams, a guy that uh, if he leaves New York, he's going to be somebody a lot of people would love to have on their team. I know that the Redskins would definitely welcome him, but I think the price tag, he was a first rounder, remember, pick number six of the 2017 draft. So I don't see him coming cheap, and I don't think the Redskins are willing to pay the price. But if they could, it would be nice to have a guy like uh, Jamal Adams in burgundy and gold. We want to thank our guest in hour one from the Redskins Super Bowl team of 1991, Danny Copeland, the outstanding safety of the Redskins. We had a good time catching up with him as he talked about playing for Joe Gibbs. He talked about that historic team that ended the year 14-2, and two, and he talked about uh, starting his career with the Kansas City Chiefs, Marty Schottenheimer, moving on to Joe Gibbs. And one of the great stories he told was that Joe Gibbs called him in his office and he had a roster on his desk and he asked him to take a seat. And he said that, Hey, you and Brad Edwards are my safeties. You're the guys that I believe in. You're the guys that I want to be here long-term. But the general manager at the time was looking to maybe bring some guys in like Steve Atwater or some of the guys from Denver that hit really hard. Well, the hitting aspect wasn't something that was required of uh, Copeland in terms of delivering the big hits. He and Brad Edwards were doing coverage things and protecting against the run. So he told coach Gibbs told Danny that coming up this week, uh, they were preparing to play the Broncos on a Monday night. And he said, you could really uh, help me in my uh, ability to keep you around. If you go out and can send a message that you're a hitter too. 
And if you remember on a Monday night, uh, if you can go back and look at the game with the Broncos and Redskins, Danny Copeland hit a guy up around his shoulder level. As he said, uh, in today's game, he might be flagged and maybe uh, tossed out of the game for a hit. But he hit the guy so hard that his legs went out from under him and he flew out and uh, went about five yards in the air. It was just a tremendous hit. And he said today it might be borderline as far as uh, you know some of the hits out there in terms of getting flagged. But he said when he did that and he and Brad Edwards went on to have some really great hits that night, it kind of uh, set everything in motion and said, hey, these guys, you want to keep them around. They can not only cover, but they can hit. So uh, it was funny to hear Joe Gibbs give him the green light to basically go out and blast somebody uh, in so many words. So uh, Joe Gibbs told him, if you can go out and make some impacts and have some big hits, it will definitely help me in terms of showing why you guys should stay here. And they took it to heart and they went out and delivered some popping hits on that Monday night against the Denver Broncos. Uh, we want to let you know that uh, Danny Copeland, of course, our special guest uh, today on the Sports King Show. We also want to thank earlier this week, we had Eugene Robinson, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he was a great guest as well. We want to remind you that on Saturday on Sports 106.1, we are going to have the Alabama Athletics. Uh, it's going to be a program you're going to enjoy, hosted by Eli Gold. Eli Gold is the voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide who are heard right here on Sports 106.1. Um, they're going to talk about the spring game. They're going to give a team update. They're going to have interviews. Uh, I'm sure that Coach Nick Saban will be taking part in this. Uh, there'll be interviews, updates, and much, much more in the Alabama Crimson Tide. That programming note will be 2 to 4 Eastern time. So if you're an Alabama fan and you're listening uh, and looking for uh, some information about your Tide, the Tide and uh, Alabama show will be on 2 to 4 on Sports 106.1. That will be uh, 2 to 4 Eastern time, hosted by Eli Gould, of course, not only the Alabama play-by-play man, but also does a great job for NASCAR as well. So that's the situation uh, on Saturday. We're going to take our final break of the show right now. We're going to come back and uh, talk about the draft a little bit more as we head towards the weekend. You're listening to Sports King on a Friday morning, 17th day of April, one step closer to getting back to the world of sports and hopefully uh, some normalcy as well. Don't touch it now. We'll be right back. This is Sports King on Sports 1061. Hi, this is Andre Collins, former Washington Redskin and Super Bowl champ. You're listening to Jamie King on the Sports King or 106.1. Looking for a top-tier university that is affordable? Coastal Carolina University offers more than 100 undergraduate and graduate programs designed to help you earn your degree. Visit coastal.edu and learn more about the coastal commitment to student learning and student-led research. Coastal Carolina University is consistently ranked as a top best value university in the South. Visit coastal.edu to learn more and schedule your campus tour. Welcome back. You're listening to a man who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. It's the Sports King on Sports 1061. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live as well as Sports 106.1. And don't forget, immediately following my program, we're going to head out to Los Angeles, California's Jim Rome and the Jungle, the legendary broadcaster from Los Angeles, immediately following my show here beginning at high noon. Of course, before me in the morning, his new time, it's Big Al and Sports Phone. And the Sports Phone show starts 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday live. My show, 10 to 12 live. And then Jim Rome, and then after that, Tiki and Tyranny, and we have a whole 
host of programs here on Sports 1061 to keep you entertained throughout the weekend. I want to remind you, uh, 20 years ago, pick number 199, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, of course, that worked out pretty well, as I believe, for the New England Patriots. Uh, unbelievable. He went that late, but he had a lot to prove. He had a chip on his shoulder, and he said every time he stepped on the field, he remembered feeling that far back in the draft and how, that, how much he had something to prove, and he did every time he stepped on the field. And now he's moving on to greener pastures, he hopes, in Tampa Bay. Uh, Jim Burnup uh, asks on Facebook Live what puts the Redskins in the playoff picture. Um, wow, that's a tough one, Jim. Um, you have to look in terms of the uh, picks um, and what they're going to get early on. Will one guy make a difference? Yes. How much? Boy, this a, that's a tough question. I just think strength in numbers, and we have to be able to package a few guys and maybe get really active. So it's going to be – this draft night deal, can they get enough value and can they move it around and get enough value? One guy I'm worried, I just don't know if it's going to be enough. I think it'll be a step forward this year. Will they be a playoff team? Uh, who's going to be a quarterback? We have so many question marks, Jim, so we're going to have to table that for now. I just think there's more questions than answers uh, in terms of the Redskins right now. I want to go through a few of the players I look at in the upcoming draft that are going to be some sleepers. A couple of names I want you to remember. One guy that's standing out at me. And I love this kid. Out of he's a wide receiver out of Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk. Of course, he's being looked at potentially uh, as a late first round guy, maybe second round. He could slide, but the Skins could get him. Uh, I would love to see it because he is a player that uh, uh, is a machine in terms of slants. He has great quickness. He has separation. He has uh, great catch radius. A guy that has speed and is a guy that can uh, make plays. Brandon Ayuk is a guy. Uh, everybody's thinking that pick number 31 could be the call for uh, potentially Indianapolis, but he's the sleeper. Brandon Ayuk, if the Skins got him, he would be a guy. Another name that we're hearing about a sleeper is uh, Marlon Davidson, defensive lineman, uh, projected number uh, 41 as far as pick in the second round by the Browns. He is a guy that uh, often lines up at defensive end, uh, but he's also a guy that's can move inside. He's six foot three, three hundred three pounds. Very active. Has a strong leverage and pass rush. He's a guy that can be effective as a three technique in the NFL. If he has to go inside, so that's a guy you want to watch. A guy that really showed himself uh, in terms of ability in the running game was Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running back, as you recall, number twenty-two for LSU. He's selected uh, potentially by the Falcons at pick number forty-four. Uh, round two skins. I would love to see them get this guy. He is just elusive. Uh, he's a guy that gets behind the offensive lineman and you don't see him and he's gone. Uh, he's five foot seven, 207 pounder. He's very quick. He makes people miss in space. He is a tough guy to tackle low center of gravity. And he's a guy that, uh, you know, just had a great career at LSU. If you don't believe me, go back and watch some film on him versus Alabama. You can see what he did to Alabama made him look foolish. Uh, they couldn't get their hands on the guy. He was really, really effective, uh, not only as a receiver, but also uh, as a running back. K.J. Hamler, the wide receiver from Penn State, another guy that's flying under the radar. Uh, he's being looked at potentially around number two, pick number 51 to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he had an ACL tear, which is the only thing that is a question mark about him. But he has a great uh, ability to return kicks. 
as well. He is a small guy. He's only 5'9", 178 pounds, so he's hard to find as a quarterback. Those smaller guys sometimes are hard to find. But he, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's been uh, you know, compared to guys like Tyreek Hill, Jakeem Grant, and Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown in the NFL. If you're compared to Tyreek Hill, the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're a guy that's that kind of guy, uh, if I'm the Redskins, I would look at him too because you can use him on jet sweeps and try to get him the ball to make things happen. He is a elusive guy that can really make things happen, speed the burn. Uh, don't forget, K.J. Hamler is a guy from Penn State to keep your eye on. Kyle Duggar, the safety from Lenora Ryan, small-time school. Uh, looking at him as pick number uh, 60 for the Ravens round number two. Uh, he's a tough guy, a Division II guy. Uh, out of Hickory, North Carolina, if you know Lenora Ryan, you know a little bit about that school. And you wonder how he ended up at the D2 school. He's one of the players that just is all over the field. Uh, he can return. He can uh, be versatile on special teams. So he's a guy that you want to look at in terms of overall ability. And uh, that's a guy that uh, you're looking at. So uh, and one more player, uh, Bryce Hall, quarterback from Virginia, looked at uh, pick number 61 by the Titans, round number two. He's another guy to keep your eye on. So that's just a few sleepers I've circled as guys you want to watch in the upcoming draft. Only a few days away, folks. want to remind you, this weekend, if you want to watch something, it's a 10-part documentary on ESPN, The Last Dance. Uh, they've been giving this a lot of hype, something you don't want to miss if you're interested in Michael Jordan and what happened behind the scenes with the Chicago Bulls. You do not want to miss this one. It's going to be great. You'll see Michael Jordan in a different light than maybe you held him. The guy was a taskmaster. He was tough on his teammates, and it'll show you things you didn't know about MJ in terms of what he demanded from his teammates. He was tough on them, and you'll see this. That starts on Sunday evening. Also, a reminder, one programming note, don't forget, of course, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the uh, athletic uh, program here on Sports 106.1 begins at uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, talking about the spring game and some of their uh, interviews with head coach Nick Saban, among others, Eli Gold, the host of the Alabama program, 2-4 to four on Saturday. Don't want to miss that on Sports 106.1. It's been a long week, folks. We're 37 days into this, one step closer. I'm proud of you guys, of all you're doing out there. I'm proud of my producer, Ben Maitland. He's done an amazing job keeping us updated on any breaking news. Most of all, I want to thank you guys so much for taking part on Facebook and also on Sports 106.1, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Remember, folks, to be a beacon of light, to be strong in your community, be a hero. If you can donate, contact the uh, Red Cross. If you can donate blood, they're in short supply. Please do that. If you can donate food to a neighbor, a veteran, a frontline person, anybody, you can drop off maybe a plate of food. If they're in your neighborhood, let them know. Uh, send an email, send a card, send a letter. If you have time, you have the resources. And, of course, if you can send a few dollars to the food banks, Please, the food banks, in some cases, short supply. People really will appreciate it. A box lunch, uh, sometimes uh, any type of meal you can send will be so appreciated by so many. So those are just a few things we're doing here. Uh, just keep spreading the news, spreading the love, spreading the hope. And don't forget, folks, baseball could be right around the corner. The NFL draft's right around the corner. We're excited about that. we got a lot to look forward to. The country is getting back on track slowly but surely. We're hearing positive things, and we're praying and hoping that uh, the worst is behind us and that we can move through this, and uh, we're all going to be better for it, stronger for it. And I'm so proud of you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today on this Friday edition of Sports King. For Ben Maitland, I'm the Sports King, Jamie King. It's been a long week, folks, but we're one step closer, one day closer. And wish you the best. Hope you have a great weekend with your family. And we'll see you next week, Monday, for another live edition of the Sports King on Sports 106.1.